0: You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, CarCast today is going to be fun. We're going to chat with our friend Alistair Weaver from Edmonds. We're going to get all into uh, his uh, three-way competition between GT500, Corvette C8, and, uh, and a Porsche 911 Carrera. And then we'll talk all about the new Land Rover Defender as well. So before we get started... Uh, A shout-out from our friends at GEICO. Right now, GEICO is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies, and that's 15% on top of the money GEICO can already be saving you. So what are you waiting for? You definitely want to check this out. Visit GEICO.com. You want to do it by October 7th. It's coming up soon. Switch by October 7th and uh, get that extra 15% off when you switch to GEICO. Just visit GEICO.com to learn more. Hello, welcome to the CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea and uh, our buddy Gil, Bill Goldberg, I believe, is trying to wrap up uh, a, a project of uh, filming or something going on, um, so he might be able to jump in and join us, uh, but maybe not. We'll see. We'll see how it goes uh, as we are in the studio. I'm in the studio recording, but we welcome back our good friend Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com. Hey, Alistair, how you doing?
1: Morning, Matt. I Hope I'm a appropriate replacement if Bill can't join us.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, for a skinny guy, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you
1: kind of get two thirds of two
0: of Bill. <laughs> right. Oh, similar similar height, I think. But, uh, but that's yeah, about just,
1: it. Um, <laughs> on on uh, every level,
0: I, yeah. uh, I I you're zooming in again. That seems to be. I don't know how long this is gonna. The zoom stuff is gonna last. Maybe forever. But uh, I do miss you coming into the studio and always bringing something a little bit different to see, a little bit something different to drive. Uh, so I don't know. So all we're going to do is just kind of talk about it and watch all the great films and stuff that you guys are putting up on the website. But uh, I know you guys have been uh, out there, got the test track back open and, uh, and going out there and some creating some content. So we have some cool stuff to talk about. Let me just uh, remind you guys about Dodge before we get started. It's time for Dodge Power Dollars. And that means for each horsepower, you get ten dollars off your purchase on a Dodge Charger, Challenger, and Durango. So come in for Dodge Power Dollars today for a pretty sweet deal. Uh, so before we get into that, uh, just a, a an update on uh, on. On the BMW M3 that uh, I know a lot of you guys have been following, it went up on Bring a Trailer. It just sold. It sold for forty thousand uh, bucks. Like every Bring a Trailer auction, for the most part, uh, it was fun. It was exciting. It was a little nerve wracking, and you know, it 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 kind of starts off, and then it stalls, and then people kind of come in at the end, and and then somebody starts bidding. You know, like. $250 at a time, and then somebody else is like, hey, I'm at $1,000 at a time, and then it just starts creeping up into the into the, uh, into the the uh, overtime uh, kind of thing that the and trailer does. But overall, it was fun. I spoke to the guy that purchased the car. Uh, seems like a great guy. He's very excited about it. He's got a couple of Porsches. He's got a couple of air-cooled Porsches. And uh, I think he bought or is building or did a little bit of both. He bought a platform and is building a Safari nine eleven, and And so that's going to be kind of fun. And he's got a son. He's got a 16-year-old son. So he told me, he's like, hey, you know, I'm in Arizona. The guy's in Arizona, which is great, right? Because the car is already registered in Arizona. It's emissions exempt in Arizona. Um, And uh, and I happen to know where this guy, where he lives, not far from him, is – uh a gas station that has 100 octane on on tap over there so if he wanted to just make this a 100 octane car dial in the tuning a little bit i bet he's going to get a little bit more than the 500 rear wheel horsepower that we're getting out of it so uh he's got big plans for it but he called me and he's like hey i've got i come out to orange county like twice a month you know i drive out there i do some business out there i'm going to be out there in a day i might bring my son and then we'll swing by and we'll pick up the car and he'll drive the car home. I was like, "Oh yeah, that sounds fantastic." He's like, "Yeah, he's 16. He just learned to drive." I was like, "Okay, you do know it's a 500 horsepower BMW M3, right? Like this with a with a stick, with a stick. Yeah, with with a with a manual and coilovers and 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 the whole thing." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be fine." I was like, "All right." Just sign the title. Make sure you've got yourself some good insurance. Uh, make sure you got your Geico and uh, paid up on the way, and, and enjoy it. But they're excited about the car. Uh, I think it's going to a, a great home. It's definitely somebody who's into cars, has a couple of fun projects. So, um, you know, well, that's at- cool. It, it's strange with cars, isn't it?
1: it? It is almost like you want to see them go off to a good home. It, it, I mean, it's a complete, you know, well, it's a mechanical object, but you do want to feel like it's having a nice life.
0: Right. But it's funny how it works because it's always like, yes, if you're enjoying it and everything works, go ahead and send me a note. But uh, if something doesn't work or something breaks, don't bother me. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like it's, selling a house. Yeah, yeah. It's a, oh, it's nice. that There's a family. They're going to enjoy it now. But, you know, if the, if the, if the shower leaks, don't call me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of that. Like the warranty is not included. So I do get into this conversation about, you know, this is a 20 year old car, right? So don't expect this to be a brand new M4 Um Although yeah. you can expect well, thank, this to be,
1: well, thankfully, hey, I was just
0: going to say you can expect this to be much better looking than a brand new M four. Uh, so I think they're going to have some fun with the car. I think they're taking it to the right place. Um, and uh, a lot of people have asked me in social media and the different platforms, "Am I happy with the number?" Um, yes, I am because, uh, and no, but <laughs> I I am because I, I forty thousand was what it sold for 40,000 was sort of my bottom number. Um, I would like to have seen a little bit more but I'm happy that I met the number that it it met and I you know I've got other plans for that there's other projects and stuff going on so I I wanted to sell it. I didn't want to I didn't want to sell it for 37 and kind of feel badly about selling it for 37 because I wanted to put that money into something else. So, you know, somewhere around the mid 30s kind of jams me up. It's like, I don't think I'm going to sell it for that. Uh, but, you know, in the high 40s or 50 grand is really kind of what I would like to have seen. Although, you know, the market's going to pay what the market's going to pay. And I didn't want to is, argue with that scenario. So 40,000 seemed like a, a decent enough number. Um, I would like to have had a little bit more, but you can say that about anything. <laughs> you it, know, Dinner's
1: still on you, Matt.
0: Yeah, right. So, uh, uh, aside from that, it's good and um, I'm happy with where it's going. And, um, you know, I, I do understand the one difficult part about that is because it has a third party Vortec supercharger kit, not a kit that comes from Vortec, having that sticker, that carb legal sticker for the emissions is a bit of, of an issue. Um, but uh, I've got it set up, emissions exempt, as a collector car. Uh, in Arizona, and the guy purchasing the car understands that, has done this before with other cars, uh, and problem solved. For this particular buyer, there's no issue, and that's that makes it fun, right? Because, by the way, when I say uh, emissions exempt, when I actually got the car and they built it, the catalytic converters were cut off, the exhaust was terrible, and I didn't want that So when Magnaflow did the exhaust, we put on new cats, a high flow, we custom made a whole exhaust. It has cats on it. it I, it's very likely it would blow clean. There's no reason why it wouldn't. You're
1: right. It's such a stretch. I had to do my first smog test in California with mm-hmm. my um, 97, 911, my 993. And everybody said you've got to run it for an hour beforehand really hot. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure that you know all the cats are hot and everything else. So I was going down the four hundred five highway, literally going through the gears to get this thing yeah. super hot. And there's a guy in a in a Rav Four Hybrid, basically like bipping his horn and doing like faking applause applause at me and basically calling me an ass because I'm <laughs> because I'm revving the engine on the four hundred five. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just such a it's such absurd world, isn't it? When you're starting to do stuff like that, but it passed.
0: It, so it passed. I did oh, feel like, I did yeah. feel
1: I did feel slightly guilty. Yeah. Either.
0: Well, look, I, I I it sold well. The auction was fun. I really appreciate everybody that participated, everybody that bid on the car, everybody that helped promote it and just mention it in their own social media and chime in. Um I think in in the world of E46 M3s on Bring a Trailer, I think we had more views and more watchers than almost any of them up there. Uh, I can't say for sure, but it's something like 16,000 views. Uh, so it was an exciting car to watch. I, I think at toward the end there was probably 500 people uh watching the the end result. So the total views over the course of the week was like 16,000, but like 500 people logged on at the end just to watch this thing. So uh I thought it was uh it was exciting to do. Uh I was expecting a few more comments and questions, but uh I you know, I guess the, the description was good. We put up a little video, nothing fancy, but uh, just to kind of show it and drive it and show that it works and, and what sounds it makes. And uh, you know, I, I guess um, that that worked. So, uh, thanks uh, for everybody who participated and, and have some fun with it. But um, now let's uh, let's move on. That car's gone. It's done. It's over. It's going to be gone in two days. I'm never going to see it again. <laughs> and uh, it off to the next thing. That being said. Over at the other shop, I've got my Dart aluminum short block delivered and the transmission from Bowler all ready to – well, not ready to go in to the Lightning, but ready to be built and assembled and then go in to the Lightning. So uh there you go. I traded a BMW for an engine and transmission in theory. <laughs> <laughs> there was some there was some cash involved i feel like I spent more than what I got but uh, it's all good. Uh, anyway so what's going on uh, what's going on at Edmonds i see you guys uh, uh, hitting the track uh more track time with GT 500 uh, Corvette C8 um, I'm very interested in hearing about the uh, Land Rover Defender. I believe you probably got the the information about the F-150 as well. We got specs on the new F-150. There's a press drive event about a month and a half. Uh, I'm going to go out and do that. Maybe you or someone on your team is going to go out and do that as well. But if you uh, have some of the specs, we can review some of that. Um, but also, I saw you guys at the, at the track uh, in GT500 and C8, and also maybe got some more information about Land Rover Defender. Um, I wasn't able to go out to the uh, Palm Springs event for the Defender, but uh, I believe I'm going to be getting one to drive uh, uh, pretty soon. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Um but let's go ahead and start with the g t five hundred although we've covered this car many times you had some more track time on it and uh got a little squirrely had a little fun in that car
1: <laughs> yeah we, we we've had a crazy busy month actually with both the with the c eight versus g t five hundred versus nine eleven and then also we've just done a big thing with with defender as well as you mentioned but yeah, it was fascinating, actually. We finally got together our GT500 and the C8 that we own uh, and then added a 911 Carrera, which is the, the base 911. And it was kind of the classic front versus mid versus rear engine. And it was just an absolute hoop. We went up to, went to our test track, then we went up to Willow Springs or Streets of Willow, and we did a, a three-car test, which is on, on YouTube right now. And we're just launching, well, as we speak, a drag race of the three as well. And... It was absolutely fascinating because when we sat down and specced it out, we're like, mm, the 911 is going to, you know, A, more expensive and B, it's got 379 horsepower, so it's going to get eaten. And the reality couldn't have been further from the truth. I, I've got the figures in front of me here. Well, let me ask so you this ready? real
0: quick. On the 911, was it, uh, 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 were the cars all manual transmission obviously the gt 500 isn't so what transmissions and what price did the 911 come in at because you said base model but they've all crept up in price over the years so just give us a little rundown of what you were starting with
1: yeah that's a good point matt so we took the call to have the um pdk 911 just to level the playing field a little bit because obviously all the other vehicles are um uh, are also double clutch uh double clutch sequentials um so, our Corvette, we know we talked about this before, base price, yeah, is 59995 By the time you put the trick suspension on it, the Magna Ride, the track package, blah, 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 you end up at $80,660. Uh, the Shelby GT500, we didn't go for the carbon pack, but we did add, add the performance packs. That comes in at $81,280. So, pretty much the same price. Mm-hmm. The 911 starts at 100 uh, We This car that we had was a, a press car that had 16 k of options on which things like sports exhaust sports seats there's a bit that you wouldn't necessarily need we reckon you're probably going to be paying about 110 if you if you want things like sport chrono and stuff so it was the outlier but then when you factor in that people are still asking for premiums for i know it's your favorite subject matt (laughs) you know dealers are still asking for a bump for gt500s and even even c8s is a bit of that so you know you could argue they're all the same price but you know, we wanted to throw the 911 in there. Corvette versus 911 is the, is the classic battle. It's three cars with such a lot of heritage. Yeah. And we also think for the first time with this Corvette, you might have 911 customers looking at this Chevy and thinking, yeah, you know, maybe maybe I will look at a Corvette for the first time. So absolute, absolutely fascinating. Uh, you know, obviously, GE 500 760 horsepower, uh, Corvette 495, Standard Carrera 379. So when you look at it on paper, you just think this is going to get eaten. But actually, you know, some, I think Alana Scher, who presents a lot of our films, said, you know, it's just the German thoroughbreds are so good. It weighs a lot less. I mean, it's 800, I'm doing the maths off of top, head. it's 900 pounds lighter than the GT500. But your power to weight, which is always a critical one for me, so pounds per horsepower, 5.5 for the GT500, 7.4 for the vet, 8.9 for the Porsche. But then when you actually translate that into figures, 0 to 60, 3.4 for the vet, these are our figures 3.4 for the vet, 3.6 for the Porsche, 3.7 for the GT500, just because it can't deploy all that traction. Yeah. When you get to the quarter mile, 11.3 for the GT500, it's actually now come through the middle at 130. for the vet and 11.8 for the for the 911 so we were blown away by how fast the standard Carrera is and it just teaches you that horsepower isn't everything it's about how you deploy the horses how good the transmission is you know how good the launch control is the Porsche created more lateral g 1.1 versus 1.08 for the Corvette 1.02 for the for the GT5 when they're all over 1g and breaking the the 911 one as well so we were massively impressed by the the, the Porsche. And then we did um, the three-car test at, at Willow, which be which people on our YouTube channel right now. And we've also just launched the drag race. And I was driving the GT500 in the drag race. We're at Willow Springs, proper big Willow. It was like 110 degrees, mm-hmm. super dusty desert circuit. And I sat there in the car and we did the first one and the Corvette and the 911 just launched and just went. And I was like, I was tickling it off the line, blah, 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 blah. and then we were fishtailing through third gear. And actually, the point where I'm applying steering correction through third gear, and it was—I'm uh, going to get vilified on YouTube. I'm just ready for the utter bile <laughs> that I'm going to get because this—I got completely killed. Uh, and then we tried, and then we tried. Okay, this—this this was me driving it, trying to balance it on my left foot on the brake, right foot on the throttle which on our test track was technically the fastest, but it was so hot and dusty. So then we tried to use the launch control to actually dial down the engine. So we're setting the launch control for 1,200 RPM just to try and minimize how much power we were putting through and make it consistent. And even then, it was pretty much the same result. But but then we did a rolling race where we all start at 40, and the GT500 just went. It was crazy. We were, I was like half a mile ahead of everybody else by the time we got that you know by the time we got any sort of distance so it was that makes no sense as a statement but it went a lot it went a lot faster so fascinating test and in our drag race without giving the game away i'd encourage everybody to watch it the 911 won one and the corvette one one which just shows just how well engineered that thing is even
0: at the price. You know, I, I'm not surprised by the 9-11. There's been, because everything, the 9-11, even when they come out with a new 9-11, it just seems to be a refinement on what they've been doing, just sort of fine-tuning for decades at this point. So uh, uh, wildly impressive. As the 9-11 sort of grew over the years, still considered lightweight by comparison. Uh, and to, to, have the amount of power that it does, and in this case, little amount of power and and compete so aggressively, um, is impressive, a testament to Porsche, but also not too surprising. I'm most interested on your thoughts on on the Corvette. Now, everything that you're saying about the GT500 is kind of to be expected about the GT500. I think probably one of the most impressive things is is its size, its weight, its front engine. It uh, a configuration that it does pull over a G and it does be able to fly around the track and handle as well as it as it does, uh, which is it, I don't know I I haven't driven all of those cars but you know I have driven the the GT five hundred and what you expect out of it is a high fun factor uh, yeah it 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 makes incredible noises and. Uh, it does kind of slide all over the place and and it, it is an incredible amount of fun to drive even just doing a little canyon carving and, and whatnot but um, what are your thoughts overall on how the Corvette performed? Is the corvette the bang for the buck at, at roughly 80 grand for what you guys paid or, or whatever the, the range of price would be yeah. 60 to 100? Is, is it – how does the Corvette compete? What are your thoughts on the Corvette? And then is there any scenario where that Corvette is not as good in any regard to the previous Corvette, like ZR1, Z06, some of the hotter versions of the front-engine Corvette? So just to, yeah,
1: just to pick up on what you were saying about the GT500, GT I, I couldn't agree more. I mean that, that actually – it's the way that thing goes around the corners, which is the really impressive thing. I mean, he's so dominated by the engine. And I, I, I think you were laughing at it on, on, on social uh, that I shared a, bit of, shared a bit of images. And I took the decision to turn all the stability controls off, then do the pieces to camera. Because <laughs> I find when I'm presenting that if I'm driving for real, then it feels a lot more natural and sounds a lot more natural. So I turned everything off and we're getting these kind of lurid oversteer slides mid-sentence. But it's very controllable and it's very predictable and it's very and i was actually doing stuff to provoke it and you know you can drive that thing sideways everywhere with the tires running. it is the most fun and carlos largo who did the film with me at the end of the day that was the car that we all want to do extra laps in because we were just killing ourselves laughing the corvette is a very different proposition in some ways the gt500 almost lines up more alongside an old school corvette this c8 my big fear with it was that chevy would have created a mid-engine corvette that felt like a front engine corvette that they would have dialed all the mid-engineness out of it Mm -hmm. and ended up with something that's kind of very sort of understeery and predictable and da 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 -da. and what they've actually done it done it and i think they've done a great job of this is come up with a car that feels like a mid-engine supercar at a much lower price point it's this i'll be honest with you i i I spent quite a bit of time in zr ones and, and other vets. And the thing that always bothered me is I had no idea what the steering was doing. Mm. You know, the steering was so vague. Oh, yeah. And I'm, real, I'm a real stickler for steering because I like to know what the front wheels are doing. So that's where my confidence comes from. And in the zr one sometimes it was, you know, so much power, it was almost a bit terrifying that you turn in and you hope there's some grip there. And then you're dealing with what happens after that. The C8 is a very different proposition. It doesn't have quite the tactility of a, nine, of a 911. Uh, but it's so much better. And, and I think as they continue to hone it, it'll get better and better. It feels like a mid-engine supercar, both from kind of where you sit and what, it, what, what your, what's around you, but also the way, the way that it drives. That naturally aspirated V8 is great. You know, it's searingly rapid, um, and you can have some real fun with it on a circuit, and you can adjust the attitude of the car. You know, if you lift off a little bit, you'll get the nose to tuck in. So it's it's predictable and benign but you know if you if you if you're experienced you know what you're doing then you can have some fun with it so um yeah we were both we were both really really impressed with it three very different cars the 911 is still the best piece of engineering gt500 if you're on a track and you know what you're doing it's it's the most fun but the corvette is a great thing it really is but i would i would say go for the we did spend the money on the suspension. We spent about 7 or 8,000 on all the extra suspension and I would advise doing that if you're going to take it on the track.
0: Is it comfortable to drive on the street even with that suspension with the whatever the Z51 package?
1: Yeah, because what you also add to that is the MagnaRide and the GT500 has MagnaRide too. Uh, and that yep. is such that's such a good system. And, yeah on, i mean the the impressive thing of that 's arguably the most impressive thing about the vet is on on the highway it 's more comfortable than the Porsche it 's more comfortable than the g t five hundred it 's kind of sedan car it 's a sedan comfort um so it's it 's still a proper long distance g t car that can then turn it on on the track so yeah they really have done a uh, they really have done a great job with it
0: where is Chevrolet saving money when it comes to a C8. Considering its competition, most of which is more expensive, where are you seeing or feeling the cost reduction where they can make that thing arguably a $60,000 sticker price and still make money on that car?
1: Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I'm not, I'm not sure that they are making money at 60K. I think their expectation is most people pay 70, and you'll make it on that, make it on the, the on options, the options people have. yeah. <laughs> Um, you can tell a, that if you drive it side by side with the nine eleven, you, you can tell certain things the interior quality is is not as good. You know, the the the, the kind of materials that are that are used, that sort of thing. The nine eleven, it was an interesting point that, that Carlson and I were discussing. You know, the, if you get inside them, the Mustang starts as a 30k rental car. Mm-hmm. The Corvette starts as a 60k car, the 911 starts as a hundred K car. And you can tell that just in the way that it's, you know, the, the build quality, the choice of materials, that sort of thing. You know, the 911 feels like a designer suit, whereas the VET do, isn't, quite a, isn't quite at that level. So you can feel a, a, a little bit in there. Um, you know, some of the, some of the material choices on, you know, on, on what it's made of and everything else isn't quite a big exotic. But in all honesty, it is a bargain. You know, if you think about paying 60,000, 80,000 for that, it, you know, it, it's terrific value. I don't think you get into it, and it doesn't. You know, Corvettes as old. Often you get into them, and they, they could feel, you know, like a bargain basement supercar. Yes, it hasn't got the engineering integrity in terms of the, the the honing of those tiny little details that you feel in the 911. The steering isn't quite as uh, the steering isn't quite quite as good. There's certain little things that you pick up on, maybe the gearbox, maybe the launch control, things like that. But there's no question; it's a bargain.
0: So we're we're hearing about a few sort of uh growing pains if you will with the CA Corvette, a couple of uh issues and little recalls and things like that. What what's your thought on that overall? Is this on par with any f- ground up new car or or should we be doing better at this point?
1: Yeah, I think we've had a little thing that we managed to fix um, fix over the air. If you go to our long term test, if you basically Google long term Corvette, your Edmunds will pop up, and, and you can read all about it. We've, yeah, we've we've had a, a little niggle with an o- with an over the air update. It's disappointing. I mean, this is it's not unusual for a very early car. Now, as is an early car, uh, massively delayed by strikes and COVID, but it's still in the production run, a relatively early car. But yeah, it doesn't take much for you only need a few little niggles like this to really, ha- you know, to really damage your car for the long term because it's all about people's image of how reliable it is, and we've seen this in the past. At the moment, ours has been pretty good, so we can, you know, we can talk from that experience. But we are aware because obviously we monitor everything like everybody else that you know there's a few little niggles out there.
0: Okay, well, it's uh, I don't know what what's your pick. You were out there, you you you, you had three cars. I know, kind of. At heart, you're you're a Porsche guy, but uh, if you have everybody pick,
1: says this, it's so it's so <laughs> fair.
0: Um, Well, people say uh, I'm a Mustang it, guy, but i have been about to read yeah. another Dodge ad, so uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that, that's that's true. Um, um, and, yeah, you well, know, and I, I spent life
0: off. at a BMW, so
1: it's the difference between spending your spending money and being paid. I guess, but, yeah. uh, it, it's um, for, well, for me, I I go along with the conclusion that we pretty much came to in the video, which. If you were saying, let's go and have some fun on track tomorrow, I'd take the GT500 just because it is so much fun. Uh, if you just, as a toy, it would be fabulous. The Corvette is a great everyday car at the price. Um, the 911, and essentially I've now driven Carrera, Carrera S, Turbo S, mm-hmm. and the standard Carrera is my favorite 911. There's less road noise, the ride quality is better, and it's still massively fast. So actually, I mean, if... If you can afford it, the 911 is just a tremendous everyday car, uh, but you know it is expensive. It's 30k more than more than our Corvette in this in the trim that you want. So long winded answer. GT 500 is is the most fun. The date, if you like, the uh, the Corvette is a fantastic all rounder. And a 911 is a 911, and you know the quality and the integrity shine through. So that's a real sit on the fence answer. If Money no object. I'd take the 911. Uh, a toy car take the gt500 uh looking at the laying the price into the equation then you know the corvette makes a massive case for itself
0: yeah well that it's that's a fair answer Um, my thought on the corvette my question on the corvette is if you were going to drive it and kind of use it as a daily driver like you said it's it's the most comfortable of the group the most comfortable of the 911s do you get a pdk or do you get a manual
1: I, I was kind of I like lots of people play with the configurator when I'm boarding the meeting or something. But it, it's I think it just depends where you live and what you use in the car for. I mean, I live in LA, and you know, probably a PDK just because after a while there's those days when you just want to go home, uh, you know, and you don't. But if if I was buying it as an everyday car these days, I would probably get a PDK living in living in LA. Uh, but if I was living outside of LA, where actually you, you're doing more normal driving, if you like, you're not just crawling in traffic, then then I'd take the manual.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean,
1: well, seems... what seems what what you really want is a is a classic 911 with a proper manual.
0: <laughs> that's a, well, you already got one of those. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so that, that's
1: where, but there could... is a big there is a big difference actually on my car. The when you change gear, you actually feel the gears mesh. Whereas on the current nine, on the contemporary 911s, they actually have a, a different kind of linkage. So what you're actually doing is moving it around the gate. You don't actually have that kind of tactile sensation of gears meshing. I know we're getting into real geek speak here, but it, it is a di- it, it is a different experience. And,
0: well, I yeah. do notice that for sure as cars get newer and a little more eh, a little more complex in in that regard. Uh, y- yes, I mean even the M3 I've been driving. You know that's got an aftermarket shifter in it, and somebody. Came over to see the car, and we drove it. And he said, "This feels like my steel gated Ferrari shifter." You know, it has a, a little <laughs> bit of a, a thing to say. It, it, it has a little bit of a sound to it, and it has a little bit yeah. of a notchiness to it. Because it's funny when I first drove a Ferrari three hundred and sixty with a manual and the steel gate, I said, "This feels like a." Uh, uh, a a 2003 Mustang Cobra shifter, (laughs) you know, and it was just because it had a bit of a notchiness to it. It just kind of felt like I was just driving a Mustang again because I, because I had so much seat time in, in one of those. So, uh, and, and yeah, you get into a new car with a manual and you're just kind of flicking it around with two fingers, you know, just, it's so simple to, to, to do. Yeah. You just,
1: you're moving an actuator around rather than actually actually changing gear. But I, I'm with you. I mean, I remember like Audi Audi R8 also had a kind of Ferrari esque uh, gear gearbox in the you know, sort of aluminium selector gate thing in, in, in its early days. And I miss that. I love that little clunk as it goes in. So
0: I I agree. I drove the Audi uh, the R8. I think if I recall, I believe the V10 when it first came out was available with the manual. And uh I believe that's the one that I drove and that was just fantastic. That was so much fun. That was just, just a wonderful it was it was absolutely great. So I want to hear about the <laughs> Land Rover uh defender. Let me uh let me hit dodge one more time for you guys. Uh this is the best time to join the Brotherhood of Muscle because Dodge Power Dollars means you get a guaranteed discount. And the math is simple. You've heard us talk about it before. It you get ten dollars off based on the total horsepower of your new Dodge vehicle. You can apply this to every 2020 Challenger, every 2020 Durango, every 2020 Charger. With $10 off uh, for each horsepower, you can uh, you can go into the dealer. You can pick up one of the uh, Dodge Charger uh, SRT Scat Pack. It's got 485 horsepower, so you can get $4,850 off. And uh, and Dodge Power Dollars is also available on the Dodge Durango. So uh, no matter where this summer takes you, the Dodge Durango is here to make every trip this season a breeze. So if you get more power, you get more off. It's that simple. Hurry into your local Dodge dealer now to take advantage of Dodge Power Dollars. Uh, you guys, uh, I don't know if you had an opportunity to drive, but you've been checking out the new Land Rover Defender. Uh, definitely... Uh, a vehicle that that fans of the brand have been waiting for for a while um you know even uh, sort of just uh looky lose like myself that uh that uh, you know is just something that you are excited about seeing come back uh, here in in the u s and uh, you know but high expectations because the 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 land Rover brand has turned into such a such a high end luxury uh, s u v um, and, and it's gorgeous, and, and it, it seems to be the, the go-to SUV of, of, of Beverly Hills. Uh, so I think people were kind of thinking, hey, maybe the Defender could be a little bit more back to its roots, what it's capable of doing. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the Defender? And I would imagine that Land Rover had to find some balance, right? Like how do you sell it to the Beverly Hills crowd, but how is it not – you know, it it can't drop the ball off road, right? Like it has to do something off road. It can't be, you know, an X five M in the dirt. <laughs> you know,
1: it, it it's true, and I I've actually been following this car for a, a long time because I was involved a little bit back back in the UK with with the, the redesign in the early days and the original. If you remember, the dis- original Discovery was called LR four over here. Yeah uh when that was launched back in i think it was like 2000 that 2000 i want to say um and that was that was originally going to be called the defender you remember that very utilitarian it had a very plastic interior it was very kind of boxy yeah and they bottled it they bottled it in the end and, and didn't call it defender but so this is the first time they brought the name back and it's weird in the in the u.s because of course in the uk this is kind of like a staple of British life. My dad had one. My dad's first car was a was a well, originally called the Land Rover, but then they introduced a Defender name back in the eighties as they introduced new models. But essentially, it was the same vehicle. So my dad had one. I owned one briefly. You know, the Queen's got one. Still mm-hmm. has one. So it's it's this kind of icon. Whereas over here, it's a uh, it's this kind of niche vehicle for trendy types in Venice Beach who spend you know eighty thousand bucks on a on a, a V eight. Yeah. So. It's a very different proper. It's a very different property. So they've almost got to build an audience for this car. And we put it. We we did a t- we did a test against uh, a Jeep and a Forerunner. And it's a weird car because it sits between, say, a Jeep and a Forerunner, and then up into more luxury. But then really, you're into Land Cruiser, which is eighty five grand. There isn't much in the market which is a genuine as genuine off road chops at at a uh, at a sensible price. And G wagons are one hundred and fifty grand. So. It's it's a fascinating vehicle because what Land Rover is trying to do with this and the way it was put to me years ago is your Range Rover is your super luxury Beverly Hills wagon, your Discovery is your family versatile hauler,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then your Defender is the sort of alpha. We're going to take it off road. We're going to beat it up. We're going to throw things in it and 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 everything else. So that's that was kind of the the marketing spiel. And what they have ended up, actually, I think is, is something that's about 15 to 20 percent more model for model than a Wrangler, but actually is massively more sophisticated. So independent suspension all around. If you opt for the off-road packs, which I think most people should, then, it's a, then you get the air suspension. It's, there's debate about how it looks. I personally like it. I think in the wrong, if you spec it wrong, it can look a bit toy-like. And it's certainly not as rough and tumble as like a forerunner or a Jeep in terms of how kind of customizable, how much you know it feels a bit more precious. But we took it off to an off road center and we were blown away by how good it was off road. It mm. is way better on road than the Jeep or Forerunner. It is a proper luxury, it feels like a proper luxury SUV yeah. on the road. And then off road, um, it was we were blown away by how good it was. Uh, as genuinely taken aback by how, because it has this automotive this all-terrain response system which automatically configures the car to the terrain. It's got sensors going on everywhere, and the comfort off-road, the ease of off-roading, really was superb. Uh, and we went in with a degree of cynicism and came out really impressed.
0: What's the price range of the new Defender? So you can
1: start at uh, under fifty uh, for for the ninety, which is the ninety is the two-door and then the one turn is the is the is the four door and then if you put all the spec on it you can get to 100 grand i think the sweet spot is probably around 60ish
0: okay it's not as much as i thought it would actually be in in that regard how would you guys spec it out well two part question are you guys going to buy one is edmunds going to buy one and then how would you personally spec it out two door four door off road yeah. pack
1: I would, I would love, love to buy one. I'm just sort of, I don't know, we've got a Bronco on order. So maybe when the Bronco arrives, it'd be a great thing to have alongside a Bronco. Right. Um, I I was actually playing around with a configurator. I would love uh, a 90 on steelies. You need it. You need the steel wheels. Mm-hmm. So you've really got to spec this thing carefully. You want, uh, you want the 90, which is the two door, which looks way cooler, steel wheels, then the off-road packs on it, which, uh, which give you all the, um, all the off-road credibility uh so play around with the configurator it's actually quite it's actually quite good fun then you get these sort of weird packs where you can have these like plastic boxes on the side and they there's this sort of design motif where they have this this bolt on bolt on body color square that goes on the side to i think basically to to break the lines up so it doesn't look so the wheelbase and the the sides don't look too long it's a, it's a designer's trick it's interesting because when we put it alongside the wrangler obviously the wrangler if 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 Jeep came along and redesigned the Wrangler to the extent that Land has reimagined the defender, there would be you know there'd be a march on Detroit.. Uh-huh. And you know, this is not a pastiche or a tweak of the of the old model. For me, I wish it was a bit more alpha at the front end. It looks a bit soft. You know this is a modern reinterpretation of what a defender might have been if they'd kept, redevelop- kept developing it over 60 years. But I wished it looked a bit more like the original one and just as a little bit a little bit tougher looking. But yeah, have a have a play with the, the, the configurator. It's actually really, really good fun. But my the one I want comes in at just under 60k.
0: Is there is there much of a backseat or room in a backseat in a two door model?
1: I to, I'll be honest with you, I haven't actually sat in a two door yet because uh we the only the one tens arrived first in the US, so nineties mm-hmm. are actually coming coming later. What I would say is originally this vehicle was going to be built on the same platform as I understand as a Range Rover Sportism. But actually, because they built a new factory in Slovakia, it's on a whole new platform and there is lots of room inside. It's the same, pretty much the same wheelbase as a Wrangler, but there is so much more room inside. This is a proper family car. And if all you were going to do is buy it and drive it around on the road, it would be a a really nice thing. It's unbelievably heavy, though. Unbelievably heavy. It's four. I want to say four and a half thousand pounds. Yeah, it's heavier than most than than a lot of trucks, and that's the that's a big black mark against it. Um, it's actually we actually weighed it. It's five hundred pounds heavier than what the Land Rover is claiming. So we're actually investigating that at the moment. It's a bit of a strange one. So the only black marks against it is it, it, it's very heavy, um, but it's uh, it's it, it's a nice thing. My concern for Land Rover is who's going to buy it because. Uh, is it your Land Rover customer who might otherwise have bought a Discovery, or is it you know are you really going to get Jeep customers coming out of a Wrangler into a Defender? Uh, I I you know, maybe Land Cruiser customers coming into it. It's it's Land Rover's classic problem in the US that you know can they can they get enough visibility on it? Can they get enough people excited by it? I don't see people turning up at Moab who used to have Wranglers now in the Defender. I just don't see it happening, and I
0: think that's a real shame. No, but I think it's I think it's going for for that kind of high end uh you know, city city dweller. It's a little bit of that Beverly Hills audience where the Land Rover brand has been so successful. Um and can you get into something that's kinda new and it looks pretty good and 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 do it a little bit less expensive than you could on a let's like say a Range Rover sport or or the the bigger uh, a rover you know something along the lines of that so um I, I the reason why I ask if you guys are are getting one because uh you know all fun aside like with g t five hundred and c eight and bronco um i'm more interested in the long term test of of the defender than than almost anything else out there because uh, uh we're gonna read. From all the user groups and everything else, the fan base, uh, any issues we're going to find with with C eight and 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 Mustang and and all the you know all the enthusiast cars, but uh, to get a proper evaluation of of the Defender, you're saying hey, opt for the uh, you know for the air ride suspension. It's going to be a little bit smoother and it has more controllability and stuff. Yes, but uh, there's a bunch of people that roll around in a Range Rover that's a few years old. Or, or more, and, uh, you know, a friend of mine, uh, he's had a, well, a full-size range over for years, and every four months, the airbags just deflate, and it sits on its wheels, and it has to be dragged to the dealer, and they need to fix it. And, and you know, of course, we're like, why can't you fix it the first time? Why does it have to sag every six months? <laughs> you know, so there are some quality issues that w- – I would think we would want to evaluate uh, as a Defender customer. One, it's, it's a, like you said, it's a new platform, so there's going to be a little bit of that growing pains. And then two, is this a cool car that we're going to sit here in 10 months from now or a year from now and you say, hey, you know what, uh, you want a nice car and you want to save a couple bucks? Get a used Defender. get a Get a one-year-old, two-year-old you know, d- Defender, get a lease, you know, turn in car with 30,000 miles on it. You know, that's, that's a, I'd be most curious to hear.
1: Yeah, Matt, I, I, I hear you. And we, we addressed it a bit in the, the film. I don't want to give too much away because the film's actually an edit. We're not coming out for another couple of weeks, but it, we addressed it in the film because the one thing about it is that there's so much sophistication on it and it works really well, but this is pressed car off the boat. So, you know the car that we had was fine, and it was massively impressive off-road. But it is hugely reliant on electronics, hydraulics, everything else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're not going to fix this like you would the original Defender with a, you know, with a with 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 you know with a with a toolbox in the middle of the desert. And even compared to something like the Wrangler, it's not. Uh, it, it's a lot more sophisticated. That Land Rover have to nail this, don't they? You know, yeah. because we can guarantee that when we launch this test, it's going to be full of YouTube comments saying, Yeah, fine, looks nice, but it'll break down. And, you know, we keep looking at reliability surveys and everything else. And this is their big challenge. And they keep coming out with ultra sophisticated vehicles that work really well. But then you just think, You know, how, what is the longevity of this? And it's tough for us because what can we do? we give given a vehicle, we drive it, we test it to, to extremes. It was fine, nothing went wrong. So, yeah. What, what, what do you say? It, it'd be unfair of us to say, yeah, but it's going to break down because we don't know that. So you're right. That's why well, that's why we do spend as much money as we do on on long term test programs, because really until you do 30,000, 50,000 miles in a vehicle, you just don't know.
0: Yeah. And like we covered once before, I mean, you know, a long term test for you guys is more about miles and wear and tear and not really about time. <laughs> yeah, we
1: and also we you know we we try and compress into a year what most people would do in 3 and also you know in terms of the variety of what we do the variety of different drivers. So, you know, we do end we do end up trying to give these give give these cars a hard life. I mean, we've done 50,000 miles in our Wrangler and we were going to sell it and we've actually decided to keep it because it's massively useful to us as a <laughs> as a as a workhorse. Yeah. And also we kind of thought it'd be fun to see you know can we get to 100,000 miles and see what happens with it. So, um, yeah, I mean that's held up. That's held up pretty well. A defender would be a great one to run, actually. And I, maybe I need to. Um, maybe I need to make a business case for it.
0: Well, look, I I, I bring it up because uh, we want it to be good. Like it, it looks yeah. cool and it looks fun. And I, I I like the Range Rover. I like the Land Rover brand. Um, and uh, you know, and, and obviously they're they're you know all their their SVRs and stuff both from Jaguar and Land Rover like those are a blast to drive they make incredible sounds that Range Rover Sport SVR is got to be the loudest SUV on the planet from the factory i think just screams you roll the windows down and hit that thing and it just launches and just just makes incredible noises it's a, it's kind of nuts but um uh, you know and the idea of of the defender being sort of a a proper defender or the nice balance of of who's going to buy it versus what you can do off-road with it. Uh, you know, you just want it to work. It's a really, so, yeah, I'm a fan.
1: it's a, it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Say say you know, I owned one of the old ones, my, my dad did, and I really want it to succeed. And I hope a lo- enough people learn about it and, and give it a chance. And yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tough try. I also hope that they have appealed, they have as a company, they have to appeal to a new kind of customer. If all they do is sell to Land Rover customers, then it's a disaster.
0: Yeah, right, because they're just taking away uh, their more expensive models and getting people into the lesser expensive model. And uh, financially, yeah. that's not the best idea. But I, I I, agree. I think this could be a vehicle that can bring new people to the brand. Um, one of the things about, about Land Rover is, yes, they're all over Beverly Hills. They look good, but uh, they are uh, – expensive and if you can get into that brand with something that looks good and has the cool factor of being a defender and you're in the $60,000 range, you know, could be $70,000 range, that's arguably more affordable than than the bigger than the bigger models that uh, yeah, when you, you say- see all the time.
1: Yeah, a Wrangler Rubicon uh, is over sixty k as well. It's worth remembering that that you know if you trick up a Wrangler, then then it easily it easily gets there as well. So yeah, I I, I think it's a cool thing. It's great on road. It's great off road. Um, I think it looks cool. The interior is really nice. Um, there's plenty of room. If all you're going to do is chug around on the road, it's still a nice thing. So yeah, I was I Look, was really impressed with it. If, and if Land, I hope it I hope it wins.
0: If Land Rover comes wins. out with with an attractive, you know, leasing option with, you know, some incentive or something like that, I think it's, I think it's going to do well. I think there's going to be a bunch of people, uh, especially in this town that that would jump all over that and and get into it for two or three years. You know, that's
1: also been one of that's also been one of their challenges is is their lease deals aren't you know that's been a big problem with F Pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that their lease deals aren't competitive, uh, and that's because they're using a third party. They don't have their own finance arm, so. Yeah, JLR's got some Jaguar Landro we've got some got some challenges. Um and also can they put the marketing wallet behind it to actually let people know it exists? And that's another problem with uh with iPace and with Jaguar generally, that you know, they just don't have that visibility. So, you know, Defender's a big opportunity for them. I think they've done a good job and, and I and I hope it succeeds because from on my experience that you know the product's good and I've always been a bit of a believer, I like, think the car I did just did um an interview with the Detroit News about Ford, uh, Jim Farley taking over as CEO of Ford. And, yeah, that's what's the key to success in the car industry. I said, well, build products that people want to buy.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: when, when brands do that, it's not rocket science.
0: Yeah. I, and obviously, people that listen to the show, we're big fans of Jim Farley. And we love the idea of, of and not to discount anybody else for running these companies, but a, but, a, but a real car guy running a car company. Is is exciting? uh, It's lunatics
1: in the asylum, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it really kind of is. Um, All right, well, we're kind of running out of time. But uh, what else you guys got on the dock? Is there anything else that's coming up you want to you want to hit or something else that you guys have done recently?
1: Uh, We've got a big thing coming up. We just driven the Nissan Rogue. Getting back to the uh, getting back to real world. Yeah. Uh, So we have a big test of the new Nissan Rogue against its rivals coming up, which is um, you know really step forward for Nissan and and uh, you know really promising little SUV, uh, I'm driving the new McLaren 765 LT shortly. Uh, we've got, yeah, we've got a, we've got a really nice sort of, uh, blending at the moment. I say the Rogue's road, going to be a big thing for us. We're looking ahead, obviously Bronco sports coming up new F one fifties coming up, very Ford heavy at the end of the year. Can't wait to get in the, um, in the Mackie as well, or Mocky or whatever <laughs> the hell it is. Um, so, um, I thought I'd just slide that into the end. We're, um, yeah so i mean we are we are flat out i mean we we're getting our world has changed a little bit we're not traveling as much but we're getting a lot more vehicles into into our test track and things like that so i don't think we we've ever been as busy and a really exciting end of the year
0: yeah well it's going to be fun those cars are going to be fun the mclaren's definitely going to be fun i uh uh, the Rogue is going to be an important vehicle for for Nissan for sure. Um, so far, what I've seen about it, it seems like they're doing a lot in in the right direction with 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 Rogue. But I'm, I'll be curious to see uh, what you guys think.
1: The other thing I should say, Matt, we just also introduced a new uh, a new offer on Edmunds where we'll actually make a cash offer for your car. So if you're looking to trade in your used car, it's well worth well worth checking out. So edmunds.com slash sell my car um and you can go in and, and put in your license plate details and we'll make you we'll basically make you can get a cash offer for your car there and then that you go and then um can can um what's the expression trade it in get the cash go buy what you want
0: well you give me more than 40 grand for my m3 i'll call this other guy and tell him no deal
1: <laughs> hey you should check it
0: out <laughs> I'll, I'll type the numbers in see if i get a little hey, extra be, for that, that supercharger be-
1: <laughs> that might be a bit of a test for our algorithms. If you, uh, it might, I don't know whether our systems are set up for Magnaflow exhaust and things like that. But yeah, we'll right.
0: How much for the HRE wheels and the Brembo brakes?
1: Yeah, I, I, it's not my department. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, but my, my mom, you know, we picked her up a RAV4 and we, uh, you know, although her other car sat for a while. And uh, yeah, there's this, you know, sort of the, what can we get for the, you know, for the 2008 Nissan Altima, low miles, and she doesn't really go anywhere. It's like, how do you, you know, let's type it in, let's let's sell that car so um, well particularly particularly at the moment that you know
1: everybody it's it's just it's convenience as much as anything you know just you you know you're not you're not dealing with you know trying to sell it privately you'll you'll almost certainly get more money than you would for a trade-in uh well you will get more money than you would for a trade-in so um you know it's a good opportunity
0: and then real quick before you wrap up because you mentioned nissan and rogue uh, thoughts on the on the z proto
1: I know you were there with with Adam. Yeah, I'd like to see. I'd like to see it in the metal. I looked at the pictures and I'm a bit like not mm, not 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 wholly convinced. But sometimes these cards work better in in real life, so I'll I'll reserve judgment.
0: This is uh, this was my suggestion. Uh, I think on one of the other shows was. I don't feel like the color they chose was a good launch color, especially because it was launched digitally, and when we were live on the jumbotrons, that yellow just comes off as like like uh, like a safety vest for a corner worker, worker at a track or or a, or a crosswalk or something. And I there's when you have a good blue or a good red. And you click on Google Images, and you see a hundred photos of it. Slight variations of of that blue or that red can still look pretty good. Slight variations of this yellow can look terrible. So I don't think it was yeah. the right color. So, uh, start jumping on to like uh, I don't know Facebook or some of the other groups, um, like the the Bob Sharp Racing Group on Facebook, and and and. Uh, other magazines and all kinds of stuff are doing this. Look at what people are doing with renderings, right? Because people are so fantastic with with computers these days. And you see that car, you know, you'll see it slammed. You'll see it with a body kit. You'll see it in a race livery. But you'll just see some in a silver or a blue or a red. And then when you start to really look at the nooks and crannies of the bodywork that they did, I think when you start to see it in a different color, you're going to have – I don't know if it's going to change your opinion, but you're definitely going to have thoughts about it, and uh, it might start pushing you into, into a direction of I'm I'm more interested in in seeing this car in in person. I think it's going to be very very interesting uh, what they're doing with it, you know, and arguably a, a decent platform with a decent engine um, and the ability to uh, to turn up uh, hopefully to turn up the boost. Like my. My one comment on it is whatever engine that they put into it, make sure that engine is strong enough for aftermarket mods, right? Because that's, you know, in our world, people who listen to this show, any 400 horsepower version of that car, uh, you know, we would make it 600 horsepower. And the engine needs to be able to do that without getting into, you know, pistons and things like that. I think one of the flaws with the FRS and BRZ release was – you know the engine was a little bit fragile, I believe, uh, and I know there's supercharger kits and turbo kits, and people have addressed the issue. But uh, I, I just feel like because that was an ongoing concern uh, with uh, with that engine, I think um, they they need to have a strong enough engine that it can be uh, hopped up in the aftermarket, and I think it'll be a hit if they do it that way.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's it's a funny going back to the colour thing to share something with you. Years ago I we worked on a Focus R S documentary. Mm-hmm. And the original plan was to launch I'm giving away trade secrets here, but there was original talk of launching that car in the dark grey colour. Yeah it actually looks quite cool in real life. Yeah, it does. But I went I went and filmed it in Cologne in Germany. And I was just talking to the guys like this this looks terrible. And if you imagine a dark grey car on a magazine cover, as you say, on a on a launch. And so the fact that we filmed this gray thing and it looked pretty terrible, we were actually pretty instrumental in in the fact that it was launched in that bright blue
0: and the bright blue. Yeah. Which was a great yeah, color. So I, can claim,
1: it. I can claim some, some small responsibility for that, but yeah, you're right. And it's a bit like we're talking about reliability of things. You, you kind of launch these things once and you've got to be, you've got to get all these things lined up because you're right. Also, if, if your concern is that the Z car looks a little bit soft, then I'm not sure that color helped with that either.
0: Right. And it, the the color was actually meant to be like a, a, a play on one of their vintage colors, the the yellow that they had. Like it's funny, we went to ZCon and we saw the uh, uh, you know all the classic cars that were out there, and we walked up and we're like, this yellow is good, like this. And I'm not even a fan of yellow. I was like, what is this yellow? And they're just like, yeah, this is the original color, and this is fantastic. And I think the car was supposed to be that. Or just a little bit of a of a version of that. And then when we just saw it on the Jumbotrons, it was just it was just a bright green neon, just like neon yellow. It feels
1: like one it feels like one of those things that sounds like a good idea in a marketing meeting, but you know, when you got pictures of the old car, but that that nuance that it was an old colour was completely lost on me, for example.
0: Yeah. Well uh well uh we'll see how it goes but it's going to be an interesting car. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. I uh initial thoughts. It it'll probably it'll be a little while before uh before we get our hands on that car, but it'll be fun.
1: I hope it does well because you know unfortunately Supra super burnt bright for about 6 weeks and then you know we we know from like how much interest that vehicle gets. It's it's a more of a struggle. You know, so you know the market for for coupes like this is not great so they're halo products for the brand so you know i hope it i hope it does well because i love cars like this but yeah i have some reservations about it all
0: right well uh thanks so much uh alistair weaver always a pleasure having you on the show go to edmunds.com go to com slash road noise uh for all the latest news and the great videos and stuff of course check out their new uh uh but buy your car feature I'm not sure what we're calling that trade in it's not a trade in trade yeah. in edmunds.com yeah.
1: slash buy my car
0: yeah. there you go buy sell my, my, car. Car. Sell my S- car sell my car sell my car Don't edmunds.com slash sell my car, my car. Uh, of course follow Alistair he's Alistair Weaver on Twitter and he's Weaver on Cars on Instagram and of course you can find me at Motorator on uh, all the social medias but uh, it's good is there anything we're, anything we're forgetting
1: no? Uh, we could talk for hours, Matt, but um, uh, I've got another tedious Zoom meeting together.
0: That's <laughs> sweet. Sounds like fun. All right, uh, Weaver, uh, Weaver, thank you, buddy. We appreciate it. And uh, again, it's Edmunds.com. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCastShow. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Hey guys, thanks for listening and uh another shout out from our friends at Geico. They're offering that extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle and RV policies and as you know, that's 15% on top of the money Geico can already be saving you. So uh what are you waiting for? Go over there, check it out, go to geico.com, put it in, get your get yourself a quote and uh if you switch by October 7th, you save an extra 15%. So check out geico.com.